Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. All right, rolling on here, 888-957-9570. It's John Dickinson and Dan Devone. Final hour of Warriors This Week here on 95.7 The Game for a Saturday. We'll get back to the phones in a moment. It's John Dickinson and Dan Devone. Uh, Devone, good to be with you again here, trying to make some sense of just where the Warriors are at 8 and 9. Great conversation about officiating and, and the history of of officials and players and and specific beefs involved between uh, the two in the discussion surrounding Chris Paul and uh, what was going on with Scott Foster in the game on Wednesday night in Phoenix. Uh, Warriors set to get a couple of days off. They will be back on the practice floor tomorrow and Monday before going to Sacramento. They're taking today off as this ends a long string of games played here going back to two weeks ago today when they started that six-game homestand where the Warriors went one and five. And you look at where the Warriors are here going back to the Denver game. They've dropped seven and nine after the six and two start, and they're currently sitting 10th in the Western Conference. A lot of text messages I do want to get to that I've kind of been bookmarking on the Comcast business text line, but the conversation has been solid and We've had a lot of good calls here uh, as the program has started to jump off. So we've been a little lax in in getting to the text line. Uh, So I've got a few bookmarked here that I I wanted to address between now and noon as well. But uh, what do you say we get back to the phones, Dan? Sounds good. All right, Danny in British Columbia joining us here on 95.7, the game north of the border. What's going on, Danny? Hey, gentlemen. Good morning. John, J.D., I had the pleasure of meeting you last year. I came down. try and get down for games from Vancouver and you were kind enough to speak to me as you were doing your show post game outside the brew pub. So thank you. It was a pleasure. Yeah. Um, appreciate it. It was wonderful meeting you. I do. I do remember that, uh, at outside harmonic there. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Doing the post game. Yeah. Hardest, hardest working man in show business with all due respect to Dan. <laughs> um, anyways, um, great show. Great discussion. Sorry. I missed some of it, but, uh, I really appreciate you bring up the Scott Foster incident. I thought that was uh, that was really I, I I know everyone has a bit of a love hate relationship with refs. I, I, you know, I totally get that. Um, that felt very personal to me, and I felt I know the Warriors were not playing their best, but I honestly felt those three those three consecutive tees just just took the game away from the Warriors. It just it took everything away. Uh, I thought it, after that, those three, the game was over. I, I really affect. I really felt like Foster affected the game. And one thing I noticed, gentlemen, is when he was when he was making the call, he had a really angry look on his face. And I, I want to see if you picked up on that. So it just seemed odd that why would he be so visibly angry making that call? 
Um, and yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with him and, and uh, Chris Paul. And I don't know if he would have had the guts to do that at a Warriors home game. But anyways, as I said, great discussion. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it. And yeah, the, the Warriors, as far as the game goes, Devon, I mean, they the Warriors completely unraveled at, at that point in, in the game. I mean, they had a pretty good first quarter. They were already in the midst of unraveling in what was an awful second quarter, outscored 37 to 16. But the the Techs in that little stretch, it it really did put the game away even though the Warriors came back with some of the young players uh, late. It was a, a deflating moment, which which led to a, a really bad stretch. And as far as the anger, I mean, it's it it's clearly personal. I mean, that's and and it's again, it's both ways. It's personal. But Scott Foster was, you know, not that he's right. He's saying, all right, Tech, uh, you know, now calm down. I mean, in, in some ways, it's like the Joey Crawford thing with uh, Nelly that we referenced, where you know he thought Nelly was trying to intimidate. He hits him with a tech, and it's like, all right, are you gonna sh- are you gonna go back to the bench now? Well, in this case, it's almost like I'm I'm hitting you with a tech, Chris. I let you say your piece. I'm hitting you with a tech. Now shut up. And and it kept going. And and it kept going. I think in large part because it was personal. I know there's been a few people that have quibbled on the text line saying, well, no, he called him the B word after he got run. That wasn't the way that I saw it. Uh, as far as the way it had been accounted for in the in the aftermath, uh, but but regardless, he didn't stop talking. And when you get that first tech, you need to stop talking. And so Scott Foster had had enough. And I don't want to, as much as I do think it's personal between the two, I, you know, I don't want to completely absolve Chris Paul in this situation either, because part of the reason that there's a history is the back and forth, and it takes two to tango. And so, you know, we could say Foster picks on Chris Paul and this and that and the other, but Warrior fans know as, as better as any, you know, as well as anybody that Chris Paul can be grading and Chris Paul can get under your skin and Chris Paul can be the kind of dude that if you're an official, you'd want to slap multiple techs on in pretty short order. So, you know, he's not completely immune in this situation, even though it's gone completely off the rails uh, as we saw on Wednesday. If it is getting personal, I think it's one of those where I agree with you, and he has to walk away, but that might be one of those where it's easier said than done, you know? Uh, 100%. If it gets personal and we're firing verbal darts, uh, hats off to the person who can just shut it off and then walk away because that's – when it gets to that level, we're not even talking about basketball anymore. You know, that's that's pretty hard to do. And the caller's right. That was ball game. Those – those technicals, and you could just feel the air go out of the room for the Golden State Warriors. And Steve Kerr, I think Steve Kerr really had it in for Scott Foster. I don't think he was necessarily that involved, but he had to defend Chris Paul. He had to get Chris Paul's back. He he knew exactly what he was doing. Chris Paul's a new player. I've got to stand up for him in this instant. He's familiar with the relationship between the two. I've got to take this bullet for Chris Paul and the team. And I, and I think, look... Steve Kerr knows because of the history that the Warriors have had with Scott Foster. Like he knows that Scott Foster's not perfect and can run a temper. And I think the Warriors would would tell you that they probably believe that that at times maybe he's either made calls or had a certain temperament in games involving them to where you you know you you know that that he can let a, a situation get the better of him. 
and and you know basically have a short fuse, and I think that's what happened. And so you know Steve Kerr was I think trying to yes have Chris Paul's back, but also get an explanation as to like hey what the hell's going on? Everybody knows the history between you two. Why can't you as the person in the position of power take the step to calm it down? Because really the Otis is. You know, it's it, it all works hand in hand and goes both ways. But when the poser, person in the position of power makes the statement that he's just going to turn his back and walk away and let it go after the first tech, you know, I, I do think that goes to you know deflating the situation. But I can also see where Scott Foster's like, look, this guy's done nothing but badmouth me for a decade. We had to have a freaking league meeting about it. You know, he's come at me for for things. And again, without knowing all the particulars, I, I don't really want to take sides other than the fact that it's clearly personal between the two, between the player and, and between the official. Yeah, that's the operative word, and, and you're right. Someone's got to take the high road, and it's got to be the official. He's got to be able to walk away from that. And again, getting back to the personal, you know, that's look at in Major League Baseball. You got what Angel Hernandez, who who clearly sucks, and, and he's not there are a lot of job. hotheads, though. You know, there there are a lot of hot. I mean, I, I Joe West was somebody that was always trying to make a spectacle of himself. As far as you could get through, you could have a quick trigger as an umpire, but and maybe some of it was personal, but not to this extent. I don't think is, the, is that's the analogy I'm trying to make. In any other sport, you can have an aptitude, but it doesn't get as personal, and it doesn't you know carry over into that category as frequently as it does in the NBA. Matt in Oakland, eight 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 nine five seven ninety five seventy. Hey Matt, you're on Warriors this week at ninety five seven. The game. Morning, gents. Uh, hope you're doing well on this gorgeous day. Uh, a comment about the refs, and then uh, I have a rotation question. I actually think the refs used to have a little bit more leeway in the past, and, and I like that. Uh, and, of course, I didn't used to care about Chris Paul and Foster. I thought it was funny, but now it bugs me. Amazing how that works. Uh, I it, there's a lot wrong with what happened. Um, if this guy really has it in for Chris Paul, then the league shouldn't have him ref when they play. And and the first tech, yeah, all right, understood. Where are the other refs pulling him away, Foster? The second tech, maybe called him a bitch. I don't know. But the third tech. Oh, did we lose him? I think he may have dropped the B word. Oh, okay. We, all right, we, we lost him. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, we no, lost him. I think him. we lost him. Yeah, yeah we lost him. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, what are you going to do? It's it. As far as the third tech, I mean, it's Foster not allowing – he just wanted to stay in control of the situation and save face for himself at the at the cost of, of whoever and, and whatever. He'd already run Chris Paul – I think he was going to let Steve Kerr make a point, you know, and not run Steve Kerr from the game, but also say, "Look, I'm I'm going to give you one too because your guy was out of line in this instance, and I gave him some leeway, and it and it didn't, you know, ultimately calm him down to a point where uh, things could could get under control and and he could he could remain in the game. But again, the unfortunate part of all of this is the fact that everybody knows." what's going on between those two. And that that's the part that needs to, to either just go away, which I don't think it's going to, or there needs to be some kind of explanation, I think, 
more so to the public as to some of the specifics. And again, I you know if there were personal things said about family members or or an encounter or different things, you know, obviously I understand why people would want that to remain private. And Chris Paul didn't divulge, uh, you know, anything about what he had referenced with regard to Foster and and maybe an, an issue or incident with with Chris Paul's son, maybe going back to a a game, you know, a long time ago. Uh, you know, whatever that is, I feel like we should know more of the specifics as to the backstory, so we can evaluate why Foster has been continued to allow, you know, allowed to officiate. Uh, Warrior games and, and, and Chris Paul games because I, I don't think that's necessarily a quality solution either, right? I mean, he's deemed to be, temper or not, one of the best officials in the league. And so he's going to be officiating the best teams in the league, which is what the Warriors believe they are and want to continue to be. So, uh, you know, you can't have this situation where one of the best officials in the league is just not refing your games when you're one of the teams that's, you know, among the top eight teams in the in the league contending for a, a title every year. I think the fact that we just simply know his name and the fans know who Scott Foster is, therein lies sort of the problem is – Getting back to sort of what maybe you mentioned earlier is that there, you got to return to a level of anonymity, and and leave the celebrity to the players, and, and and leave, you know, the entertainment to the players. But the referee, the umpire, the judge, whomever, has got to be more of a background person. I don't necessarily want to know who you are, and you shouldn't be in the forefront for things like this. And if you're somebody that can't buy into that, if that's not what you signed up for, well then. You know, I would say you shouldn't be a referee, but the fact that Scott Foster's a household name is problematic in and of itself. All right, he's Dan Devone. I'm John Dickinson, 888-957-9570. We'll, we'll keep it moving. we got people that want to talk, so we get to Zach next here on 95.7 The Game. Good morning, Zach. How are you? Thanks for calling in. I got a Zacharoonie, baby. Yeah, Shepard's got some dog in him, but if you change the rules and – made it illegal for players to talk to referees. You're going to see Draymond get ejected in every game because <laughs> he can't control his mouth, his fists, or his feet, having whipped on uh, LeBron's cashews and then punching, sucker punching. You only remember Rudy Tomjanovich got sucker punched? That guy yes. had a broken jaw, and he, he was never the same. So, you know, you can see what Draymond has cost the team. Steve Kerr has coddled him beyond anyone I've ever seen in my life. And I've been hurt by referees in sports. And if they're against you, like Shepard was against Paul, you can't win. It's a horrible feeling to be, you know, hurt by referees. Like the Eagles recently, not one penalty called against them because that referee crew had it out, um, you know, for the other team. They were a fan of the Eagles. All right, thanks, Zach. Appreciate it. I think Zach kind of all over the place there, maybe running a little material toward the end. Uh, be safe out the there, Eagles folks. and the Niners, JD. Be be safe. Be safe out there today, folks. I know it's a holiday weekend, but <laughs> let's let's keep it together. Uh, let's keep it together out there. Look, the, we've talked about Draymond a lot, and uh, you know he is coming back on Tuesday. I think this is a, a nice way to to kind of transition back into the basketball component of things here for the final 40 minutes or so. Uh, the ship has sailed as far as Draymond and 
you know, the 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 disciplinarian approach to handling the things that he does. I mean, the Warriors are on record as saying that that they need Draymond to be who he is. He said he's not changing. It's just, as Steve Kerr has mentioned so many times, how does he not go over the line? How does he get right up to the line and continue to be the person and the player that he has been in his career without continually going over the line? Because the biggest problem to come out of this latest suspension, Dan, is the fact that it does seem like the league has had enough in the sense of you know things that might get a two-game or a three-game suspension for, for another player or maybe even a one- or a two-game suspension for another player are now, because of the prior bad acts, getting Draymond a five-game suspension. And so... You know, you can't you can't continue to have you, – you can get ejected, you can get technicals, you can run hot, but doing things that are going to get you suspended for chunks of the season is not a winning formula for this Warriors team. And, and, and Draymond's absence – and maybe this hasn't been talked about enough – Draymond's absence has hurt the Warriors this season. They, they need him playing just as much as they need Steph Curry playing and – and and just as much as they need Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins playing better, they need Draymond Green present and accounted for and engaged for them to to win a, enough games here in the regular season to be where they want to be come playoff time. Yeah, I think Draymond, when it comes to the suspensions, has to recognize just like you and I, if we were to get arrested today and you had priors and I didn't, your penalty might be a little bit more severe than mine, and that's what's going on with Draymond and the league. I think as far as Draymond, the player, coming back to the Warriors, this is what I, I would put to you, to JD, is is, is it enough? Um, you know, this is a sub-500 basketball team, and yes, we know what it means with his energy, his defense, uh, what, he, what he provides to the Golden State Warriors, but at, at this late stage of his career, uh, latter stage, I should say, because he's still, I think, you know, an impactful player, but but is it enough to put this team on track? Is it is the return of Draymond, the return of GP two, um, and maybe you get something out of Wiggins and and Clay Thompson returns to Clay Thompson? Is that enough long term? Can you sustain that? And again, is that is that enough to get you not only into the playoffs but back to the finals? I think it it can be. And and look, I'm not even worried about the finals and all that at, at this point. It's it's just can you be and, and the way I look at it is can you be top four in the Western Conference? I think top top four in the Western Conference for the Warriors is a win for, for this regular season. To me, that's the goal. They were sixth last year. I don't think you can be sixth this year with forty four wins. I really don't. I think as as deep and, and it's funny, I was having a debate with a few people last night over you know, well, you think the Western Conference is better, which I do think the Western Conference is better, but all of these teams are going to beat each other up, and does that basically lower the bar into where it looks like it's mediocre? I think last year was mediocrity. I think last year the the, the Western Conference was mediocre uh, as opposed to – I think this year it's it's actually good. Like I think you go top to bottom. I think Minnesota's better. I think OKC's better. I think Sacramento's better. I think Houston's better. I think the Lakers and Suns are both better. Denver may not be better, 
because of their bench changing, and they have a much younger bench, but they still are the defending champs and have Jokic and basically haven't had Jamal Murray to this point this season, and they're still 10-6 and six, uh, to start the year. So they are afforded some semblance of you know getting it together and a little bit of a championship hangover and all of that. So I, I think all the way up and down as you look at the West, I think a lot of these teams are better. I think the Pelicans with Zion Williamson playing – are better. Dallas would tell you that they think they're better. So, uh, yeah, I think Portland stinks. I think Utah's much worse than they were last year. Memphis clearly is much worse. San Antonio, like, there are four clear-cut teams that, uh, you know, are, I think, out of even making the play-in tournament already set. It's basically, I think, 11 teams for 10 spots as far as the play-in tournament goes. But even the Clippers, who are the team that's on the outside looking in at 6-8, and eight, they basically have the Warriors record right now. And I think they would tell you that they're trying to figure things out, getting James Harden into the mix, and that they're better than they were a year ago when it's all said and done. So uh, you know, that being said, does it wind up leading toward everybody winning 44, 45 games again? Or... Is it going to lead to teams really taking advantage of that bottom four, and you're going to need closer to 48 wins to get into the into the top six, as opposed to 48 last year had Sacramento third and, and really pushing for second up until the final weekend of the season? Yeah, and I think it just gets back to the Warriors taking care of things that with are within their control, and that is you know their in-house issues right now, which is how do you get more scoring? which <laughs> it's a conversation that back in the day I don't think we'd ever think we'd have when it came to, to the Splash Brothers and, and the offensive juggernauts that they were. Um, and, and specifically, again, this is, you know, as much as we beat this drum, but, but Clay Thompson, where are you and who are you at this stage of your career? Um, and, and going forward, the relationship with the Warriors, not to – you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but is he in the future plan plans? He's you know, there's no way in hell I'm giving this guy uh, a max deal. But is he you know, is he somebody you bring back? And and then Andrew Wiggins, how much affordability does he have before? Uh, and again, I don't know where you go. I don't know what sort of changes you can make. But how much longer can you go with with his subpar performance? Because those two, uh, as we start just about every show are going to have to turn a corner at some point for this team to be relevant. Yeah, Steph Curry's going to have to continue to be out of this world. Draymond Green's going to have to be present and available. Wiggins and Klay Thompson are going to have to be better than they've been, clearly. And the bench is going to have to continue to play at the level that it has. I'll I'll say Kaminga probably has to be better. I don't think he has to be a star, but he has to be more consistent and and has to be better. I think they're getting about what they expected from Chris Paul and, and Dario Saric and and GP2, and then the other younger players are playing to varying degrees when you talk about Pajemski and, and Trace Jackson Davis and and the like. So I think a lot of the boxes for the Warriors are checked in the as-expected category, but the big ones are, are still going to be Klay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. And again, Draymond Green is also suddenly in that question mark category because some of the issues that have popped up in the past with Draymond are, are, are still there as far as uh, the the missing time and and you know putting himself in a position where he can't help his team because he's he's not on the floor due to uh, whether it's you know getting into it with the officials or getting into it with other players or getting into it with a teammate you know whatever it is uh, him not being available I mean Steve Kerr said it to. 
Dan Dibley and myself when he was on Tuesday here on 95.7 The Game. The Warriors need Draymond Green, flat out. They need him uh, if they're going to be the best version of themselves. And so he's going to have to come back and, and be himself, but also not go so far over the line to where he's taken himself uh, out of action. The one thing I'll say to the, the – the, as much as I, – I think 8-9 and nine right now is disappointing. I started the show saying that. I don't think this is a case where, hey, the West is pretty good and they've had issues and guys have been in and out for different reasons. Curry missed a couple games. And they're 8-9. and nine, They've held themselves together. Uh, I think they missed an opportunity with the 5-2 and two start on the road to be pretty good at home. And I'm not even saying they got to be 33-8 and eight good at home, but, uh, you know, they're 3-6 and six at home. You know, if you're 5-4 and four at home – we're, you're, you're 10 and 7 overall. We're having a different conversation, and you're sitting there basically fifth, sixth in the West, and a couple of games out of first. Now, that's a spot where I think everybody would be comfortable. And then the fine line is going to be a couple of games either way toward are things going well or things not. The thing that I do want to get into uh, after the break, though, is this is the team. Good, bad, or indifferent, this is the team. And I think this is the team for the next two, two and a half months before anything drastic comes about. So let's do that coming back. We'll get to those text messages as promised. Still have time to sneak in some phone calls. 888-957-9570. It's John Dickinson. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Dan Devone here, 95.7 The Game. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Final segment, John Dickinson and Dan Devone. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. Warriors This Week here until noon on 95.7 The Game. A good conversation today. A lot of discussion about the Chris Paul-Scott Foster feud uh, and just where the Warriors are at uh, as far as being 8-9, and nine, off to the good start, a number of different reasons why things have changed for Golden State after the 6-2 and two start. 
uh, with losing seven of the last nine, now sitting at eight and nine. Off day, I think a much-needed one for the Warriors, and then practice time is coming, which is something that Steve Kerr has referenced a lot during the last week. The fact that with the layout of the schedule coming up, the Warriors are going to have more time to really work on things that have been problematic for them over the last couple of weeks and it looks as if the Warriors are going to be fully healthy unless something pops up here in the next couple of days come game time in Sacramento on Tuesday with their their top 13 all intact Draymond Green back into the fold Chris Paul back to the bench and the Warriors trying to figure out how uh, they can make a little bit of a push. This team, you know what this team needs, honestly. You know what? You know what gets you out of the dregs of being that eight and nine, nine and eight, uh, a couple over, a couple under, a winning streak. That's a, like if this team could get on a six, eight game winning streak, separate themselves from five hundred a little bit in a positive way, then you can just withstand some of the normal. You know, bumps and bruises, ins and outs, ups and downs of, of an NBA season until you can get on your next run. That's what the, 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 the good and the great teams do. They have winning streaks. The Warriors had a big one two years ago at the beginning of the year. And the 18-2 and two start, I'm not saying it needed to be that, and obviously it can't be at this point, but the 18-2 and two start basically held the Warriors up for the entirety of that season a couple of years ago. Uh, and, you know, they did get up to, I think, 41-13 and 13 and then struggled down the stretch, but struggled mainly because of injuries. When you do that and you show everybody, Dan, the team that you can be when you are fully healthy, then you can uh, at least be afforded the opportunities to work your way through some, some struggles and not have it totally screw up your record. Well, this sort of gets back to what it is that you were talking about earlier about how difficult the Western Conference is. Hi again, everybody, if you're watching on YouTube. This gets back to, because usually, J.D., if you're going to go on a winning streak, that typically happens when, A, you're healthy, and B, the scheduling gods are working in your favor, right? You're beating up on the lesser thans. Well, they're few and far between now, especially out in the West, where you don't get that stretch of games, you're like, well, you know, if we're healthy, that should be a win. In fact, the schedule plays out over the next, you know, eight to ten games that we could win a majority of those games. As you underline, because the West is so competitive these days, like I don't know the scheduled wins right now for the Golden no, State they, Warriors. Yeah, they could also lose them. And honestly, you would have said last night was a scheduled win, and it was, but – it wasn't as comfortable as I think Warrior fans would have liked. No disrespect to Houston. Houston's playing much better basketball. Hell, Houston's got a better record than the Warriors right now at, at eight and six. Uh, but that's one that I think you would you would hope is a is a scheduled win at least coming into the season. And at least to, the Warriors, for whatever the Warriors play their best against the Rockets. Even this newer version, you know that that's the team by which the Warriors have their longest winning streak against. But to to your point, yeah, you could win all, you could win all those games. You could lose all those games when you look at what's upcoming. You know, Sacramento, couple against the Clippers. We'll see what happens as far as the in season tournament goes and how all that stacks out. But then after that week, it's Phoenix. It's the Clippers again uh, before the Warriors get that lengthy. Uh, home stretch, Brooklyn and Portland. You know, Portland, Portland on the road is probably the next one on December the seventeenth. But that's still Portland on the road. As far as uh, you know, that that's a game you should should still go get. But historically, Portland is one of those teams the Warriors have played well against. Different, new look, younger squad, but it 
can be a, a tough environment to play. It's it's difficult. And look, if you're playing well, more often than not, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You can beat anybody. Like if if the, we've seen this version of the Warriors that you know you can if you take care of yourself and if Wiggins and all the things that we've addressed with Wiggins coming back into the fold and playing well again, and then Clay Thompson being more consistent. Steph's going to be Steph. Draymond returns with the energy and the defense and GP2 and the bench being the bench. You know, and the Warriors can can beat up on teams. It's just a much more difficult road to hoe these days because you 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 just can't cruise through the West and find those teams. As a matter of fact, you know, the, the Eastern Conference, and we haven't said this in recent memory, uh, if you were to weigh the two, I think the Eastern Conference now is, would you agree, is, well, where would you put the two conferences? Would you say the Eastern Conference is better than that of the West? Um, I think you could make the case that the top teams in the East, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, yeah, even even Miami, assuming Miami gets their act together, I think they, they're kind of the fourth team for me. I like I think I think Miami when Miami's right is better than Orlando and Indiana and the Knicks and Cleveland and you know, I, I all of those teams. Uh, I won't get in the weeds and, and name them all, but I, I think Boston, Milwaukee, Philly and Miami, I think there's more of a clear-cut top four that's kind of already the top four with Orlando sneaking into the mix at, at 11-6. and six. They're off to a good start. The West is just – it it's deeper, I think, with, with good teams or solid teams, but there there's no clear-cut delineated top four, which I, I really struggle with. Like, I, I would prefer a Western Conference where – and I was having this conversation with somebody last night where it's like, you know what, Denver's number one, and they're because I think everybody believes that's where they should be. But you look at you know Boston, you know, Denver's not twelve and four like like Boston is at the top of the at the top of the East. They're ten and six, and they're dealing with some stuff. And like like I I think a lot of people would say coming into the year on paper, if you that that the West, if it looked like the East, it would be Denver, Phoenix, the Lakers. And maybe the Warriors, like kind of that clear-cut one through four, and then your younger teams after that, Sacramento, Minnesota, OKC on the come. Like that traditionally is how a Western Conference would look with the teams that are veteran-laden and been in it versus the young up-and-coming teams, and that to me is the difference. The, the East is you know who those top four or five teams are, and then everybody else is eh. In the, in the West – you know, you don't know who those top four teams are going to be because it feels like those stalwarts are, are always dealing with something, whether it's selective engagement, whether it's injury, whether it's drama, whether it's being a little old for multiple teams. The Warriors are not the only one. The Lakers could be deemed a little old. Phoenix, I think, could be deemed a little old, uh, depending upon some of the guys that they have out there. So uh, it, it's that fine line where it feels like the gap between the top and the rest of the pack just isn't there. And it creates this chaos where the Warriors right now are 8-9 and and 10th, but yet they are two games out of being 5th. And, and, and that part, to me, feels very similar to last year. And I, I just think it's hard to parse through and, and judge and evaluate who's real and who's not when it, when it looks that way. What will be interesting to keep an eye on is these, these upstarts and these young teams that are doing well right now, do they have sustainability? And when we get to the latter part of the season and we start, teams start to make that stretch run for the postseason, 
Are you still going to see Minnesota? Are you still going to see OKC? Are you still going to see Sacramento? Are you going to see these younger teams? Even New Orleans, are they still going to be in the conversation, or is it going to be one of those cream rises and it just takes a matter of time before you know the Lakers and Phoenix and the Warriors you know, return to their rightful spots? Or yeah, I mean, are you ready to crown these teams legit, or do you need no, to No, I mean, look, Minnesota would, would, I think if they stay healthy, I mean, I think they can be near the top. I mean, I think they have a pretty good team. You know, but again, it's it's how do these teams in the West sustain it over the long haul? That That is the question. Like, is Minnesota... You know, are they going to push and win fifty games, like like the pace that they're on right now, or or maybe even more than that? Or are they going to taper off and have their stretch where they lose seven of nine, and all of a sudden you look up and and they're thirteen and eleven, <laughs> and and it's and it's like oh they're thirteen and eleven, and then the Warriors are maybe thirteen and eleven, and then Phoenix is fourteen and ten, and it's just like that's the like I don't think while I do think the teams are better to the eye test up and down the West. I don't want a conference where it's 45 wins get you the three seed and 43 wins might get you the 10 seed. Like, I don't, I don't think that's necessarily quality. I'm not going to write it off as, as bad uh, or mediocre. I, I thought last year was mediocrity. I think this year has the opportunity to be better than mediocrity because uh, I think a lot of these teams, as I mentioned, are, are legitimately better. But are they just going to be beating each other up on a night in night out basis where everybody levels in that in that forty three to forty six you know win range when it's when it's all said and done? So I think you know that's the part that I'm keeping an eye. I think Sacramento's going to win a lot of games. I, I think they're going to be the one team because of their continuity that that may end up rising and appearing to be better. You know, kind of like last year, right? They win 48. Warriors are one of those teams at 43, 44. And, but when they play in a playoff series, it's like, do you really, you know, do you really think the Warriors were going to lose to the, to the Kings? I don't think many people really did. Now, it was a difficult series, but I, I think, you know, the Kings are going to be one of those teams that is, I think, going to, I think they're, I think they're going to end up being a top four. I, I really do. Like, I think Sacramento is going to be a top four. I think Denver's going to be a top four. Uh, I think the Kings, you know, take the regular season seriously. Everybody else, I'm I'm kind of unsure of. Uh, but again, that's more semantics than belief that like the Kings are truly the second best team that can make a run or get to a conference finals. I just think they're the most connected, and they're still young enough to care about wanting to be the highest seed possible. And they seemingly, for the most part, are healthy enough to make it happen. And teams just have a difficult time keeping up with them over the course of a regular season. It's funny. You get through the first couple of games where everybody's prepared and focused and locked in, and they struggled a little bit, and then they lost to Aaron Fox. But then as, as it really started getting into that every-other-day portion of the schedule where you're, you know, not, you're facing teams and they can't really be totally locked in on how to beat you, they just start smoking and scoring 120 a night with ease and they're winning with their offense and they're doing a little bit here and there defensively. They're stealing games late when they're not playing well. Like They just, I think, have the, the ability to be a damn good regular season team and then we'll see who they get matched up with in the playoffs and, and whether it, it can you know, lead them beyond a first-round exit. I think the Pelicans are better if Zion Williamson's playing, but there's the big if. If Zion Williamson's not playing, uh, then we saw last year they went from a team that right around New Year's, Dan, was number one in the West, and then they ended up completely cratering all the way down to the to the bottom uh, by by the end of of things. And so, you know, I think there's 
Uh, I, I think there's a, a degree of variability there. You know, is Dallas better? I think Dallas is better, but for how long? When does Kyrie have to start missing games? Is Luka going to be out? So a, a lot of wait and see, I think, as far as those teams go in the, in the Western Conference. You talk about Sacramento. Man, how good is De'Aaron Fox these days? Uh, he is really – we already know this, but – He's leveling up I was, again. I was going to say he's taking another step, if that was even possible, from where he was at at the end of last year in the postseason. Uh, he, he may be their best player now. He, he really may – and because Sabonis last year was their best player. Oh, is there any doubt the, that you think right now – you think there's no doubt in my mind that he's their well, best player. He, he wasn't up until the playoff series a year ago, and no, if you watched him right today, like, but but I think I, I think we're seeing based on the way that he has played to begin the season that it it may have shifted in that playoff series with with the things that he did to to keep them alive in that series and and help them win games, and he has been their best player to this point this season. Uh, so no, I, I think you're right. I think we are. I think we have seen a shift toward Fox being their best player, and, and then we'll have to see where does that lead him because he's he's been out of this world since coming back from the the ankle. You don't see this very often, but you know, Sabonis has been huge for them, but Therese Halliburton, <laughs> this guy's having like he might be an MVP candidate. I mean, he's really. We talk about the improvement of De'Aaron Fox. How about yeah. Halliburton? Well, and that's what that was why that was such a dangerous potential trade for the Kings because I I was of Did the you think he'd be this good though? I I was of the belief well, it's funny. Both players I think him and Fox are both better. They've both since the trade gotten better than I thought either one of them would be. I will say this, I did think Halliburton was going to be a better player than Fox. I, I and and so when that that whole back and forth was going on about which one are you going to keep, which one are you going to move? I, I would have leaned toward trying to move Fox if I was Sacramento. But at the time, if you remember, you know, Fox had just signed a big contract, and he was really, up until last year with Mike Brown, he was kind of a disappointment as a, as a, as a young player. Uh, and, you know, somebody that had signed the big deal maybe before he had totally earned it. But Mike Brown has completely flipped De'Aaron Fox's career to where he becomes an all-star, and now he's playing even better than that. Uh, level this year, and they're winning with him as the best player or the one in the 1A with Sabonis. So it really is, I think, the kind of trade that worked out for both teams. Indiana got themselves a superstar lead guard that they can build around, and they have to get the other pieces right around him, which I don't think they totally have yet, but he's awesome. And the Kings got a complimentary player to Fox, which has not only helped them because Sabonis is so good, he gets everybody else involved, but it's helped Fox maximize his potential at a, at a better level. The, the, the one-two punch of the two, they're so complementary to each other, and then Sabonis can get others involved in a way that Fox really doesn't because he needs to be more ball-dominant and look to score and push the pace and all of those things. So you know, Fox, to me, doesn't become the player he's become without... Mike Brown won, but without Sabonis being on the team with the other shooters that they've they've been able to space around him. So uh, I think it's the quintessential both teams that trade has worked for. Both teams needed to make the move, and and it's working out for, for both teams to this point. It doesn't happen frequently when you have a trade like that where it works out as well as it has for Indiana. Maybe better for the Kings right now because oh, Fox a- is, is you know, Fox is basically become an all-star borderline superstar it looks like he's on that path 
and they needed what Sabonis brought. Like, they needed Fox. They needed two players, right? They needed to get the Fox they thought they were drafting and signed to the big money deal, and then they needed Sabonis to be a number 1A or 2 with Fox to unlock the rest of the team. Indiana just needed a, a star guard to build around, and so they got that, and giving up Sabonis was no... No, uh, you know, n- nothing off of their back to be able to to allow it to happen. And both good guys, and 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 they meant, Listen, that may not sound like very much, but when your stars are are especially Halliburton, from what I understand, when your stars are are good people or they're they're good leaders, the potential to be good leaders, I think it means a lot. But bringing this back home is sort of a a weird route to Jonathan Kaminga because these are guys that have been in the league longer than than J.K. But somebody asked earlier, I think it was one of the callers, that if we can make any comps to J.K. Uh, of players that have been in the league for, for three years now and where, you know, if you were to sort of measure them against Jonathan Kaminga. These guys have been in the league longer, but as you talked about, De'Aaron Fox didn't really blossom until the end of last season. So, you know, there's always the rush to judgment. We always think, keep things in the parameter of year number three. Is he going to be a star? If it doesn't happen by year three, it's never going to happen. It could be a lot later in his career for Jonathan Kaminga if he does become that that breakout star that I thought he was going to be when I first laid eyes on the guy. I, I pointed Anthony Edwards. I think they were in the same draft. No, Anthony Edwards was before him. Yeah, he was 20. He was the Wiseman draft. So Edwards, it, it took a while where you can see, and, and they're not the same player, and Edwards is much further along. But as you look at him now, you can just see how things slow down, how he's matured as a player. Uh, in that game, that second game they played where he kicked to Connolly for that three that was a backbreaker, uh, the ability just to, to make passes like that, to draw and, and, not, to draw and, and pass and not force shots, the subtleties of his game is why he's an emerging star in this league. And, you know, Jonathan Kaminga still has a way to go to be uh, – he's not going to be as impactful as Anthony Edwards, but – to be somebody that that's beginning to recognize and have this game slow down and and all the nuance of the game that that uh, you, you're not seeing from from Jonathan Kaminga, uh, hopefully and maybe it's not in that three year barometer but maybe it's in year five six or seven. Yeah, it, it could be, and I, I just was looking at De'Aaron Fox and and his emergence to to All Star player. Yeah, you know, he really hadn't put it. To, this is his seventh year. So, He's like, been uh, that long, Darren. I mean, I I, w- I just went through because I thought it was I th- I was a year off just in my head doing it. This is De'Aaron Fox's wow. seventh year. So his first All Star year was in his sixth year. Now he's still young. He was drafted at twenty, and so he's only you know, still at this point. This is his twenty six season. Uh, and, and looking at Fox, and I'm trying to see does he had it. No, he hasn't had his birthday yet. So he, his birthday's December. So he's still twenty five. He turns twenty six coming up on on December the 20th in a few weeks. So he he is somebody that you know really he he got his numbers his first few years, had some injuries, was on a lot of losing teams, a lot of bad coaches. But yeah, the the Mike Brown challenging DeAaron Fox to bring it back to him to be a a leader and and I he is a good guy. Like he is you know, him signing with the Curry brand and all this difference that, like, Fox is really – he was one of those players that I think would tell you wanted to be pushed. And I always wondered if he was going to be capable of, you know, 
he always had a little bit of too cool for me. Like he he just kind of thought he'd arrive without really doing much, and he could get his points. And was he really impacting winning? And can he be your best player? And and I, I've done a one eighty on Fox with with the addition of Sabonis around him and with Mike Brown. It really has catapulted his his game and his career and his leadership. And and you know, hats off to him because I I really thought initially that that contract that the Kings signed him to was probably going to be a mistake, but they they bet right on him and then put the right pieces around him to help him thrive, including Sabonis, who up until at least the playoffs last year was their best player. He's grew into his own being kind of the two, and now he's taken off to maybe be the the, the number one option, and I think that's why Sacramento's so, so well set up. You know, the Warriors are going to get another up-close-and-personal look at that. Uh, on Tuesday. Uh, Devone, great stuff, my man. Real good conversation. Appreciate you bringing the Chris Paul stuff to the table uh, in hour number two. That really helped the show move today. And uh, we'll see. It's kind of wait and see with the Warriors, right? Uh, week to week, uh, can they get on a little bit of a roll with Draymond and now Gary Payton, the second back? But always a pleasure, my man. Good to, good to be with you. Look forward to it, J.D. Thanks so much. All right, we'll talk to you again on Saturday for Sterling Bennett. Excellent job. And Dan Devone, I'm John Dickinson. Warriors back in action on Tuesday from Sacramento. And uh, Warriors this week coming your way a week from today uh, on Saturday. Warriors and the Clippers on 95-7 the game a week from today. All right, we'll talk to you then. Keep it locked right here on your home for Warriors basketball. It's 95-7 the game. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.